0: The following program is a recording of a live broadcast transmitted 7 a.m. Beijing time. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Paul James with you on this Wednesday, June 26, 2019. Welcome to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. Coming up on our program this morning, Chinese President Xi Jinping sitting down with his Ugandan counterpart in Beijing to talk bilateral ties ahead of his trip to the G20 in Japan. Chinese prosecutors releasing new stats suggesting significant headway being made on drug prosecutions. Russia's foreign minister drawing historic parallels suggesting the US side angling for armed conflict with Iran. Business, Shanghai authorities setting new ambitious economic goals for the Pudong New area. In sports, China coming up short at the Women's World Cup in France. Entertainment, 18-year-old Japanese cartoon dominating the box office in China. First, your headline news. Xi Jinping calling for a deepened reform, a self-reform within the Communist Party of China. The CPC General Secretary issuing a new statement requiring the whole party to remain true to its original aspirations and keep its mission firmly in mind, noting these are necessary to ensure the party's long-term governance. It's also calling for more work to be done on building a high-caliber team of officials who are loyal and clean and have a strong sense of responsibility. It's been confirmed that Premier Li Keqiang will be attending this year's Summer Davos Forum in Dalian next week. Li Keqiang, due to address the opening ceremony and meet with the World Economic Forum Executive Chair, Klaus Schwab, It's also due to take part in discussions connected to industry, commerce, and finance, and will also meet with members of various think tanks and media outlets. Close to 2,000 participants expected to take part in the summer Davos and Dalian, which has a focus this year on a new era of globalization. FedEx filing an eye-opening suit against the U.S. Commerce Department, arguing that it should not be required to enforce U.S. federal government export bans. Well, the lawsuit itself doesn't mention Huawei specifically. Comes after FedEx claims that it mishandled a couple of deliveries for the Chinese telecom equipment giant. In a statement, FedEx says that the current U.S. export administration regulations violate common carriers' rights by making delivery companies liable for shipments that may violate U.S. restrictions. Its suit notes that FedEx is a transportation company, not a law enforcement agency. The Trump administration adding Huawei to a bl- trade blacklist this past month, barring U.S. companies from selling or exporting technology and components to it without obtaining a government license. The restrictions leaving U.S. companies such as Google, Microsoft, and Qualcomm scrambling to figure out what they can or can't sell to Huawei. It's being reported Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu considering a plan to try to cancel the forthcoming elections in September. Due to concerns about the cost of a revote so quickly after the previous general elections, the Speaker of the Israeli Parliament has initiated the first procedures needed to cancel the election. However, before that can happen, Netanyahu's minority coalition will have to secure a three-quarters majority of votes in the Knesset to overturn the law, which set the new vote. This means creating a coalition with the center-left Blue and White, a minority party which controls 35 seats in the 120-seat parliament. However, Blue and White has already said that it refuses to join forces with Netanyahu, given the current raft of charges that he faces, which includes bribery, fraud and breach of trust. It was these same charges which prompted Netanyahu's former defense minister, Avador Lieberman, from allowing his party to join Netanyahu's right-wing coalition following the April 9th elections, leaving him in the minority position that he finds himself in now. A failure by Netanyahu to secure enough support to overturn the election writ means the September 17th vote will go ahead as planned at a cost of over 550 million U.S. dollars and the potential loss of more of loss, rather, of more right wing support for the prime minister.
1: For breaking news and stories that matter to you, find us on Twitter by searching for China Plus News, where we'll share with you our up-to-the-minute news, in-depth analysis, and live streaming videos.
0: Visit China Plus News for your window on China and the world. Four minutes past the hour. China and Uganda agreeing to bring their official diplomatic relationship to a higher level. This follows a face-to-face meeting between the presidents of the two countries, here in Beijing on Tuesday. We get more from CRI's Joe Fung.
2: As part of their latest sit-down together, Chinese President Xi Jinping and Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni have agreed to increase their country's diplomatic relationship to one of a comprehensive cooperative partnership. Speaking alongside Museveni following their seventh face-to-face meeting as leaders, Xi Jinping says the creation of higher diplomatic recognition between China and Uganda is based on years of growing trust.
3: I'm glad to see that the political mutual trust has been continuously enhanced. Pragmatic cooperation has yielded fruitful results, and the two sides maintain close collaboration in international and regional affairs. China and Uganda are among the countries spearheading the Sino-African cooperation and have set an example of equality, mutual benefit, unity, cooperation and common development between two countries. China is willing to work with Uganda to promote the ties in the process of the joint build of the Belt and Road and the implementation of the outcomes of the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation Beijing Summit.
2: The Chinese president says the new diplomatic relationship should help open up more intergovernmental exchanges. Xi Jinping also says the new diplomatic recognition should also make it easier to strike deals in areas such as infrastructure construction, trade, energy, agriculture and tourism. He has also expressed Chinese support for Uganda in maintaining regional peace and stability and in safeguarding its own security. The two leaders also agreed to work together to oppose protectionism and unilateralism while upholding the international system and international order. Verney is on a four-day working visit to China. He will wind up his tour on Thursday by attending the first-ever China-Africa Economic and Trade Expo, which will open tomorrow in Hunan's capital, Changsha. The expo is one of eight major initiatives – put forward at last year's forum on China-Africa Cooperation Summit held in Beijing. For CRI, I am Jo
0: Chinese officials promising more cooperation with Africa, the pledge being made at the opening of a key meeting among Chinese and African officials in Beijing. We get more from CRI, Xie Chang.
1: The promise of further cooperation between China and Africa has been made by Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi. He's made the pledge as part of a keynote speech to the opening of a coordinators' meeting designed to follow up on last September's Beijing Summit of the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation.
3: We always believe that China-Africa cooperation is part of the international cooperation with Africa. It will not only contribute to the common development and the shared interest between China and Africa, but will also create conditions for greater international cooperation. China will continue to play a leading role in China-Africa cooperation and to encourage the international community to increase investment in Africa. We will work with other countries to pull our strengths to form a synergy and help with the development and rejuvenation of African countries and make life more colorful and rewarding for the African
1: people. Wang Yi is also urging the African side to stick to the development path they've jointly set out to help build up the Belt and Road Initiative. He's also called on the African delegates to do more to uphold multilateralism and safeguard their common interests. Diplomats from the African side have issued their own promises to work with China to achieve the FOKA goals, suggesting their cooperation with China not only benefits themselves, but also helps support world peace. Simon Adovirendi is Benin's ambassador to China.
4: This meeting that we are having now is to make the implementation as we are the first year after the, the summit. Then it make more rooms to the project that we are working with for China. Then for me, this meeting is the new beginning to settle the platform on which we will operate for the next coming three years.
1: Nabila Tunis is Sierra Leone's Minister of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation. She says China's experience with development over the few past decades is more valuable than direct financial support.
5: We look forward to, to several areas of, of cooperation as to how we can also lift people out of abject po- poverty. So we'd, we'd be happy you know, to have, to have China help us share their experiences and probably the couple of tips that we need to do the same as well. Chinese
1: President Xi Jinping has sent a congratulatory note to opening session of the Foca coordination session, calling on both sides to be diligent in improving the welfare of the 2.6 billion people who live in both China and Africa. A series of cooperation deals have also been signed as part of the session. The group has also issued a joint statement, pledging continued support for the Foca commission. For CRI, I'm Xie
0: Cheng. The Chinese government says it hopes the upcoming G20 summit will send a strong signal against unilateralism and protectionism. This comes on the heels of the latest reports by the International Monetary Fund and the World Trade Organization, both of which are expressing concerns about the world's economic outlook. The reports say trade-restricted measures and trade tensions among G20 economies have added to the uncertainty of the global economic growth outlook. Both the IMF and the WTO are calling on G20 members to respond to the challenges at this week's sessions in Osaka. Chinese Foreign Ministry Spokesperson Gong Shuang.
1: We expect the Osaka summit to send a strong signal of supporting multilateralism and opposing unilateralism, supporting openness and inclusiveness, and opposing protectionism, supporting cooperation and win-win outcomes, and opposing bullying tactics. I think this is also the responsibility of the G20 as a major forum for international economic cooperation
0: in the new situation. Statement from the Foreign Ministry says Chinese President Xi Jinping is prepared to both discuss and provide potential solutions to both the trade and economic challenges the global economy currently faces as part of his time in Osaka. Global economists, meantime, coming together to voice their support for free trade, suggesting the forthcoming G20 summit in Osaka can be a turning point in the ongoing trade frictions between China and the United States. We get more from CRI's Goya.
6: As the G20 leaders gather for this year's summit, James Lawrenson, the acting director of the Australia-China Relations Institute, called on the world's two largest economies to seize the opportunity to break the impasse in trade talks.
0: I think there's two things we would all hope for. One is a good meeting between President Trump and President Xi, that both China and the U.S. Um, put their negotiations on, on a positive track, that they're talking to each other, and so that we can see a path to resolution.
6: Despite trade frictions, and warned that the recent growth of protectionism also wedded uncertainty to the world economy. Sharing the same sentiments, Ronald Lins, the director of the Brazil-China Research Center, called for collective efforts among G20 countries to help foster stable global economic growth.
7: Multilateralism. Multilateral rule-based trading system is the most suitable system for today's trading environment, where all countries are interdependent it's very hard to see good performance in a country's economy with trade protectionism policies.
6: The economist said China has been an important country in global trade and a staunch supporter for multilateralism. He added that he hopes other G20 members could voice their support for the multilateral trading system so that they can better resolve global economic problems. Li Hiok, the head of the Sun Quin China Research Center, said China's economic development has played an important role in stabilizing the world economy during various global crises.
7: China has made great contributions to the stability of the world economy, especially in the development of Asian countries. It can be said that they are accompanied all the way by the growth of China.
6: The upcoming Group of 20 summit will be held in Osaka, Japan. It's likely that the leaders of the world's two largest economies will meet during the G20 summit. Economists hope the two sides show signs of a detente to reverse the escalating trade dispute and move ahead to jointly promote global economic growth. For CRI, this is Guo
0: Well, with the G20 just around the corner, a former official with the United Nations Development Program calling for a stronger African observer presence within the G20 mechanism. CRI's Tu Yun, who's covering this week's G20 Summit for us in Osaka, catching up earlier with Hannah Ryder, former head of policy and partnerships for UNDP China, was taking part in an international forum on the global economy held ahead of the G20 Leaders Summit. Ryder now serving as the CEO of International Consultancy Development Reimagined.
8: There's one African country that is a member of the G20 because the G20 are the largest economies in the world. And right now, African countries are not large enough, apart from South Africa, to participate. So that's one challenge. There have been recent talks about bringing in the African Union uh, into the G20 much the same way that the European Union is in the G20, which would uh, help in terms of representation. But effectively, at the moment, there's only one way that African countries can influence the G20 agenda is through partnership through South Africa. And, of course, that is an important partnership, and South Africa is uh, very open to other African countries. But the challenge is that even at an economic level, African countries are... Actually not participating in a great deal of uh, activity in the world. They own 3% of imports to the rest of the world. Their foreign direct investment is around 4% with the rest of the world. So there's a lot more for African countries If they can use forums like the G20, if they can be invited into forums like the G20 in order to push their agenda, that would be very helpful.
5: In what particular aspects do you expect the G20
8: can help promote Africa's development? Well, I think the G20 has coordinated in different areas to promote uh, international development, and including in Africa. There's something called the Development Working Group in the G20, which means for every six months and for every single summit, there's preparatory work that's done. And there's been work on climate change finance and industrialization, which has been very helpful. At the same time, there are certain areas like trade which the G20 has not really necessarily looked internally to say, how can we look at what we're doing economically and financially to then have a positive impact? So uh, this is still an area of a work in progress for the G20, in a sense, and something which I hope the G20 will take more seriously, especially there's an opportunity now because within the G20, there are so many differences, um, especially between the US and China. So if they can coalesce around trying to help the rest of the world. Maybe that's a positive direction for them to move into until they find a good solution to the other challenges.
5: And you're suggesting China take a a leading role in coordinating the policies of G20 and promote the development of Africa. But since there has been a lot of uh, suspicion over China's motivation,
8: why or how do you think China can fulfill that role? I think what's most important is the suspicion only comes... I think because there's very few people that really necessarily listen to what an African perspective is on world issues. That African perspective is becoming more and more known, more and more people are talking about what an African perspective is, you know, Africa has its push towards a free trade agreement and so on. The more that people listen to Africans talking, the more that people uh, understand what is going on in Africa and its vision for its future, then the less that they have to be worried about what China's doing, the more that they have to be thinking, are we doing enough? And China itself needs to be thinking, are we doing enough? So I think what China has to point to is just literally what Africans say, that's enough. China doesn't need to say, this is our agenda. No, it can say, we are bringing this agenda from Africa into the G20. That will be good enough, and that's the way to do it.
0: Anna Ryder, former head of policy and partnerships for UNDP China, speaking with CRI's Tu in Osaka, Japan. New stats suggesting Chinese prosecutors are making significant headway in helping crack down on drug-related crimes. Chen Guqing, the deputy prosecutor general for the Supreme People's
4: Procuratorate.
1: Prosecutorial organs across the country arrested over 139,000 drug-related criminals from 2018 to May 2019, accounting for over 9.4% of the total number of the people involved in criminal cases, a decline of nearly 9.7% year-on-year. The number of offenders prosecuted for drug related crimes is more than one hundred and sixty four thousand, taking up around seven point one percent of the total offenders prosecuted for criminal cases,
0: a drop of over nine point six percent year on year. Chen Guqing also says that prosecutors have been busy dealing with appeals connected to drug cases. Prosecutorial organs across
1: the country proposed retrial and protest for 872 drug-related cases, among which 367 cases were resentenced and 148 cases were sent back to be tried again. After protesting of the prosecutorial organs, 262 criminals were resentenced and given more severe punishments, 56 criminals were resentenced to lighter penalties, and 6 considered innocent were found to be guilty.
0: Stats from the SPP show the number of drug-related crimes prosecuted last year has declined, suggesting a recent shift in focus by police toward cracking down on drug producers and distribution networks is starting to show results. China's top legislature reviewing an amendment to the law meant to curb solid waste pollution, which authorities say should help better protect the environment while also promoting garbage classification. We get more from CRI's Zinelli Buthalese.
9: Solid waste can be defined as garbage, and unwanted products in the solid states produced and discarded by society. It comes from homes, offices, industries, and various other agricultural-related activities. China has made much progress in curbing solid waste pollution in recent years. Li ka the Minister of Ecology and Environment, says much work still needs to be done to deal with the challenges ahead.
4: Through law enforcement in
7: 2017, we believe that law and regulations are vital to the prevention of pollution by solid waste, protection of public health and maintain of ecological security. But the law and regulations need to be improved due to new challenges in environment protection. For example, measures and regulations related to pollutants discharge license, management of hazardous waste and dis- of household garbage in rural areas need improvement.
9: Thousands of tons of household waste are being disposed of in big cities in China every day, which is posing a great threat to the environment and public health. Minister says garbage classification will help in dealing with household garbage pollution. <laughs> We
7: should establish a garbage treatment system with dumping, collection, transport and disposal, all in sorted manner. The system should cover as many places as possible. We should also enhance the governance of food waste. Companies that generate food wastes should hand them to qualified companies for biosafety disposal. Food wastes are banned from being used as fodder for livestock and poultry unless going through such disposal. We should also strengthen the disposal of household garbage in countryside.
9: The environment minister says the draft amendment requires companies that dispose of household garbage to equip facilities with real-time environmental monitoring and also make public the data in a timely manner. The minister also says those who discard industrial waste illegally will be punished in the future.
7: People who dump and discharge industrial solid waste and hazardous waste in illegal way will be severely punished. They will be punished day by day. People who transfer hazardous waste without permission will be given a detention of 5 to 15 days.
9: Official data shows that more than 3 billion tons of industrial solid waste is produced in China every year, with only 60% of it being disposed of in a proper manner. The rest is stocked or buried. For CRI, I'm Zanelle Butelezi.
4: Want to know what's trending in China? China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China. From the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions, videos, photos, live streaming, and more. Join in the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions, and culture. China Plus
0: News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China. 23 minutes past the hour. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov suggesting the current tensions between the United States and Iran are reminiscent of the build-up to the Iraq war in
1: 2003. The
3: situation is developing into a very bad scenario. And it reminds me of 2003 when Colin Powell appeared at the UN Security Council with an experiment when the United States implemented one or another sanction against Saddam Hussein against the Iraq as a whole and we remember how that ended. Within a month, in May 2003, the U.S. announced the victory of democracy in Iraq. Well, you can draw your own conclusions on how democracy has fared over the past 16 years until now in Iraq.
0: Lavrov also demanding the U.S. provide more evidence for its claims that Iran is behind a pair of attacks on foreign oil tankers in the Strait of Hormuz earlier this month. Tensions between the United States and Iran hitting new highs after the downing of a U.S. drone by Iran this past week. Regional observers becoming more convinced that an armed conflict between Iran and the United States is likely, as Iranian officials have conceded that they intend to abandon even more commitments to the 2015 nuclear deal. British conservative leadership rivals Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt setting out their plans for the Brexit on their respective campaign trails. Former Foreign Secretary and former London Mayor Boris Johnson saying a sensible Brexit is a common expectation among the people. I think people are getting just fed up with politicians for kicking the can
4: down the road and failing to honour their promise. And we, we missed the deadline in March the uh, 29th. Uh, we missed it again in April the 8th. Uh, the EU gave us an extension till uh, October the 31st. And it would re- require the UK Prime Minister or the UK government, to request an extension if we were to stay beyond that. I don't think that we should. And I think that people will expect us all as MPs to get on and, and deliver for them with a, a sensible uh, Brexit that maximizes
0: the interests of businesses
4: and people on both sides of the channel.
0: Current Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt saying that what matters most to the European Union now is Britain's commitment to the defense of the continent.
7: Britain's voice is going to be strong in the world, and that's why we're going to be a country that spends uh, more money on defence, 2.5% of our GDP. We can afford it within my spending plans that will still bring down debt. But this is a moment that we need to send that signal to the world of confidence, confidence about Britain, confidence about what we stand for, and confidence that British people are not going to pull down the shutters and stop engaging with the world. We're going to be out there standing up for the
0: values we believe in. Both Hunt and Johnson now actively courting support among Conservative Party rank-and-file as the party's membership across the UK being tasked with deciding who will lead the party in a mail-in vote. Final results due to be announced on July 22nd. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan promising to draw lessons and make adjustments to his party's policies in line with the messages given to him by the people of Istanbul and other major cities in Turkey. The comments are Erdogan's first since his party's defeat in the rerun of the mayoral election in Istanbul over the weekend. I hope that Sunday's mayoral
1: re-election in Istanbul will bring good fortune to our city and country. I once again congratulate the CHP candidate Ikram Imamoglu, who was selected mayor of Istanbul according to unofficial results. The decision by the people of Istanbul is always welcome. We don't have the luxury of turning a deaf ear and ignoring messages from the people. In this regard, I ask all our brethren who
0: voted for our alliance and our party to rest assured. Erdogan also congratulating opposition candidate Erkan Imoglu, who garnered over 54% of the vote to become reestablished as the mayor of Istanbul. Sunday's re-election results breaking the AKP's grip on Turkey's most important city. Municipal authorities in the French capital Paris taking steps to limit damage from air pollution connected to the intense heat wave, which is now gripping France and other parts of Western Europe. With temperatures soaring this week, authorities in Paris restricting vehicle use. Only electric vehicles, as well as petrol-fueled vehicles with high emission ratings, will be allowed on the roads as of this Wednesday morning in Paris. This means diesel-fueled vehicles, which are the most popular among the working class in Paris, being banned from the roads. Vehicle speeds within Paris, uh, within Paris itself, I should say, being limited to 20 kilometers per hour. Heavy vehicles being told to bypass the city altogether. It's not clear when the restrictions will be lifted, as temperatures expected to continue rising in Paris this week, with the heat wave expected to reach highs of at least 39 in the French capital as of Friday. Still to come here on the Beijing Hour in Business: Shanghai authorities setting out new ambitious economic goals for the Pudong New Area. Sports. China coming up short at the Women's World Cup football action in France. And in entertainment, a nearly two decades old Japanese cartoon now dominating the box office here in China. Paul James with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Want to know what's trending in China?
4: China Plus News Facebook page helps you to discover the real China. From the latest news to quirky Chinese inventions, videos, photos, live streaming, and more. Joining the conversation today by searching for China Plus News on Facebook and discover its news, its people, its traditions, and culture. China Plus News Facebook page. Open your eyes to the real China.
0: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you by China Radio International. Paul James with you on this Wednesday morning, still to come here on the Beijing Hour. New ambitious set of economic goals being laid out for Shanghai's economic engine in sports. Chinese women coming up short at the World Cup in France. And in entertainment, an 18-year-old cartoon from Japan leading the box office here in China. Just a reminder, a few ways to keep involved with us here on the Beijing Hour throughout your day. If you use either Facebook and or Twitter, you can find us on both of those social media sites by simply going into the search bar on either and typing in three words, China Plus News, and we will pop up and you can follow us that way. Download our China Plus app, as well as visit our website. That's ChinaPlus.cri.cn. They'll give you all the latest news and information from China Radio International. And if you want to get in contact with us us directly send us an email. BeijingHour at CRI.com.cn. Once again, your headline news. China and Uganda agreeing to bring their official diplomatic relationship to a higher level. This follows a face-to-face meeting between the presidents of the two countries here in Beijing yesterday. Xi Jinping suggesting the new diplomatic relationship should help open up more intergovernmental exchanges and enhance cooperation across the board. Two leaders also agreeing to work together to oppose protectionism and unilateralism while upholding the international trading system and broader international order. Yori Museveni on a four day working visit here to China. He'll wind up his tour tomorrow by attending the first ever China Africa Economic and Trade Expo, which will open in Hunan's capital, Changsha. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi promising more cooperation with Africa as part of a sit down with African officials meeting on Tuesday in Beijing, a follow up to last year's Beijing summit of the Forum on China Africa Cooperation. Addressing the session, Wang Yi calling on the African side to stick to the development path that they've jointly set out to help build up the Belt and Road Initiative. He's also calling on African delegates to do more to uphold multilateralism and safeguard their common interests. Diplomats from the African side issuing their own promises to work with China to achieve the FOCAC goals, suggesting their cooperation with China not only benefits themselves, but also helps support world peace. FedEx filing an interesting suit against the U.S. Commerce Department, arguing that it shouldn't be required to enforce U.S. federal government export bans. Well, the suit itself does not mention Huawei specifically. It comes after FedEx claims that it mishandled a couple of deliveries for the Chinese telecom equipment maker. In a statement, FedEx says that the current U.S. Export Administration regulations violate common carriers' rights by making delivery companies liable for shipments that may violate U.S. restrictions. Trump administration adding Huawei to a trade blacklist last month, barring U.S. Companies from selling or exporting technology and components to it without obtaining a government license. The restrictions leaving a number of U.S. companies scrambling to try to figure out what they can or cannot sell to Huawei. Municipal authorities in Paris taking steps to try to limit damage from air pollution connected to the intense heat wave now gripping France and other parts of Western Europe. Temperatures soaring this week, authorities in Paris restricting vehicle use, only electric vehicles as well as petrol-fueled vehicles with higher emission standards are going to be allowed on the roads as of this morning, meaning that diesel-fueled vehicles, which are the most popular among the working class in Paris, being banned from the roads. Vehicle speeds in Paris itself also going to be limited to 20 kilometers per hour as of this morning. It's not clear when the restrictions are going to be lifted as temperatures are expected to continue rising this week in Paris with the heat wave expected to reach highs of at least 39 in the French capital by Friday. It's 34 minutes past the hour. It's time to check in with what's happening on the business front on this Wednesday morning. Uh, We'll start you off, as always, with your numbers from North America and in Europe yesterday. Uh, Wall Street falling yesterday after the Federal Reserve chair pushed back on pressure from U.S. President Donald Trump Trump to cut interest rates, Uh, simmering trade concerns, and uh, disappointing economic data also sending buyers to the sidelines. Uh, New home sales and consumer confidence numbers both coming in well below economists' expectations. All three three major U.S. stock indices, I should say, ending the session in the red. Of the 11 major uh, indices on the S&P 500, 10 losing ground with technology and communication services seeing the biggest decline. Microsoft, which has been one of the Dow's better performing components so far this year, plunging 3.2% after a Jeffries analyst suggested that the company's Azure cloud business is going to struggle to keep pace with the competing AWS offering from Amazon. Now, at the close, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropping 0.7%. The S&P 500 even further, down 1%. The Nasdaq, big loser on the day, down 1.5%. European shares extending losses to a third straight day on Tuesday amid rising U.S.-Iranian tensions as well as anxiety over Sino-U.S. trade. Losses stemming mainly from the retail, auto, and banking sectors. Renault shares slipping around 2%. Nissan smashing hopes for a quick fix to strained relations with Renault with concerns that inequality between the partners could in fact unravel their two-decade-old alliance. Shares of Carrefour retreating a day after it became the latest retailer to retreat from the Chinese market. Tech sector also up 0.4% on the back of Kempeleni's purchase of smaller rival Eltron for 3.6 billion euros. At the close, the FTSE in London up 0.1%, the DAX in Germany down 0.4%, DAX struggling this week so far, uh, CAC 40 in Paris down w- 0.1% on the day. Authorities in Shanghai announcing new reform plans for the Pudong New Area, with the goal of achieving 2 trillion yuan in GDP by the area's 35th anniversary of opening up. That'll be 20, in 2025. Shanghai government says that it will provide a better development environment for the district through policy changes, economic development, governance, and eco-environment policies. Senior official admitting that the goal is lofty, but says it's achievable, provided the Pudong New Area can realize between 7 to 8 percent growth annually. Pudong, an area east of the Huangpu River, making up one-fifth of Shanghai's land and a quarter of its population. It's also responsible for one-third of the city's GDP, 40% of Shanghai's strategic industrial output, and 60% of export and import value. New analysis by CounterPoint Research showing that Huawei has overtaken Apple to become China's premium phone market through the first three months of this year. Huawei with a market share of just 10% in the first quarter of last year. However, this year, Huawei's first quarter seeing the company secure a 48% share of the premium phone segment. Company setting a target of 50% saturation of the smartphone market in China as it hopes to wrestle down global, uh, the global crown, I should say, from Samsung. Now, in contrast, Apple securing a 37% market share through the first three months of this year. That's quite a bit lower than the 82% market share that the company enjoyed during the same period last year. More on the situation. CRI's Jia Yang speaking earlier with John Ross, senior fellow with the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University.
5: So first of all, John, uh, last month's trade ban by the U.S. government came as a big drought to Huawei, and people expected impact Huawei sales in overseas markets significantly. However, the Chinese company recorded a thirty-eight percent jump over the first quarter. So, what makes the company outperformed its uh, peers in adversity?
10: Well, it's just because it's an extremely um, efficient company. I mean, its particular feature is that it pours huge amounts of resources into research and development. Therefore, certainly, the uh, U.S. Uh, trade actions and uh, sanctions, etc., will have some effect on Huawei. It, its leader indicated that there'd be a fall of about 20 or $30 billion, he was estimating, from the uh, negative effects of these U.S. actions, but the company's growth is so fast that it's still allowing Huawei to have very great momentum. So it's just an indication of the underlying strength of the company.
5: And the research also says uh, Huawei's share in the global smartphone market reached its highest level of uh, 17% over the first quarter. And other domestic smartphone makers, including Xiaomi, Oppo, etc., are also continuing to perform quite well in the uh, global market. So can China's success story in global smartphone market continue, and why?
10: Well, fundamentally, the answer is yes. China is simply the largest uh, smartphone market in the entire world. I mean, it's more than twice as big as the United States in terms of sales. And the reason for this is that the price of smartphones is in the hundreds of dollars, uh, getting up to just under or around $1,000. Now, that's exactly the price range that the Chinese consumer can now buy. Chinese consumers have moved away from simply being able to get basic essentials, but on the other hand, they're not yet into things which can cost many thousands of dollars. So, for example, car sales are not so dynamic in China. Um, but smartphones, uh, also other things such as holidays and so on, are in costing in the hundreds of dollars are exactly what the new um, higher income uh, Chinese consumer can buy. So this just means that this market is um, by far the most important for smartphones in the whole world.
5: Mm-hmm. And we know that 5G development is accelerating at speeds beyond imagination, and leading global operators are developing 5G commercial deployment faster than ever. So how will this development of 5G affect a smartphones' global market landscape?
10: Well, it's going to be the connection not merely for smartphones, but for the interconnection of things, the so-called Internet of Things, and 5G is just going to be the basic uh, communication system for a large part of the world economy. And Huawei, by, even by Western estimates, is about nine months to a year ahead of any of its competitors. Um, and it also uh, has a price advantage. So given those uh, combination of things, Huawei's got a tremendous impact. The reason that the United States is uh, trying to block the question of Huawei is because everybody knows that this is going to be the um, key technology. We're becoming more and more dependent upon our uh, our internet, and both both for personal communication and for communications for between things in the economy. So this is going to be the next big leap in the world economy in terms of communication.
0: John Ross with the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies with Renmin University, speaking with CRI's Jia Yang. Huawei, meantime, saying that its smartphone, the Mate 20X, obtaining the first license to allow terminal telecom equipment to enter the 5G network here in China. Huawei currently with 50 commercial 5G contracts to, globally rather, to ship more than 150,000 sets of 5G equipment. Shenzhen-based drone manufacturer DJI, the world's largest drone maker, is refuting data security concerns from U.S. lawmakers about the company's products, saying that it doesn't collect or share customer data. Now, in making the statement, DJI also unveiling plans to start assembling some drones in California. Uh, DJI's latest move comes about a week after the company became a target of certain U.S. lawmakers over data security issues as part of a U.S. Senate committee hearing on drone security. Latest China International Small and Medium-Sized Enterprise Fair underway in Guangzhou. The fair first launched in 2004, the largest of its kind now here in China. Focusing on intelligent manufacturing and energy efficiency, the fair attracting around 300 exhibitors from home and abroad. The fair in Guangzhou is set to wrap up tomorrow. New analysis released by China's Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs showing that agricultural product prices have been on a somewhat downward trend so far this week. Uh, fruit prices seeing the largest price drops through monday this includes pineapple watermelon and grapes average wholesale price of six different types of fruit contracting 1.3 percent to an average of eight and a half yuan per kilo however 28 different types of vegetables seeing prices rise a combined 1.3 percent to just under four yuan per kilo from last friday you're listening to the beijing hour 60 minutes of comprehensive news Your window on China and the world. 43 minutes past the hour. Well, they just couldn't keep, they just couldn't find the back of the onion bag once again. China's women coming up short in France. Let's get an update with what's happening in the world of sports. Yang Guang. Thank you, Paul. And the Women's World Cup. Team
3: China has been eliminated from the tournament, losing to Italy 2-0 in the last 16. Italy scored on either side of the interval through Valentina Giacinti and Aurora Galli. China took an attack posture but was unable to crack the Italian defense. Paris saint Germain playmaker Wang Xuan, who failed to capitalize on an early chance in the first few minutes, admits the Italians were the better club.
2: I think I think we performed well in the group stage. We brought out our fighting spirit and a good form. But going into the knockout game, we didn't edge ourselves to play more aggressively. The Italian players were capable to take more risks, and they enjoyed from the match. They totally played out their tactics with some players' individual abilities. But we were a little nervous. We lost confidence to make plays.
3: It's the first time that Team China has failed to reach the quarterfinals at the Women's World Cup. In the other match, the Netherlands edged past the Japan 2-1 to book a place in the last eight. Leakey Martin scored twice, including a late penalty to send the Dutch team through. Japan's crash out means that all the Asian teams have been eliminated from the tournament. The Netherlands will play Italy on Saturday for a semi-final post. Amazing action last night from the Asian Champions League. Guangzhou Evergrande has progressed into the last eight after after edging Shandong Luneng 6-5 on penalties in an all-Chinese round-of-16 matchup. Evergrande brought a 2-1 lead into Jinan from the first leg, but Lunan leveled the fair with a 2-1 scoreline after regular time. In extra time, Liu Shui put Shandong ahead early. However, Paulineo scored equaliser from a free kick to force a penalty shootout. With the score at 5-0, Shandong's Cui Peng choked first, missing the first in the sudden death stage, and Zhongyi Hao put two-time champion Evergrande through to the quarterfinals. Evergrande head coach Fabio Cannavaro
1: it's been a very difficult and physical match against a team that was playing at home that performed at their best level but the guys were very good because they fought until the end the youngsters gave us the spark that allowed us to progress to beat the odds and to never give up these are young players who are growing up and I'm very happy Elsewhere, defending champion
3: Kashima Antlers have joined Guangzhou in the last eight, despite a 3-2 loss in the second leg against the San Francisco Hiroshima in the all-Japanese quarterfinal. The Antlers have progressed on away goals thanks to the 1-0 shutout win in the opening leg. Tonight's Asian Champions League action will see Shanghai SAPG play away at Korean side Kundai Motors. The two sides drew 1-1 in the first leg in Shanghai. In basketball news from the NBA Awards night, Milwaukee star Giannis Antetokounmpo has been named the league's most valuable player. The 24-year-old forward from Greece beat out last year's winner Houston star James Harden as well as Paul George from Oklahoma City Thunder. Antetokounmpo averaged 27.7 points and 12.5 rebounds during the regular season. He led the Bucks to the best record in the regular season, helping Milwaukee reach the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, MVP is not about stats and numbers. Uh, obviously, James Harden had the unbelievable n- numbers, and Paul George also. Uh, but it's, it's all about winning. You know, it's all about making sure that uh, you go out there with your teammate and do whatever it take to win. And I think that's what
5: we did uh, as a team. We we created great habits uh, throughout the season, and we were able to stick uh, by them. And uh, that's why we were able to. Uh, you no know, have a chance,
3: you know, in every single game we played and um, we we're able to win 60 games. Mike Bodenhauser, his rookie year behind the bench, has been named the Coach of the Year for leading the Milwaukee Bucks to the best record at the end of NBA's regular season, which is when the award voting takes place. Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks easily won the Rookie of the Year. He is just the fifth player in NBA history to average over 20 points with at least five assists and five rebounds in their rookie year. Elsewhere Lou Williams has been voted the sixth man of the year for the second straight season and the third time in his career, tying the record set by Jamal Crawford. Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz has won Defensive Player of the Year for the second straight season. Pascal Siakam of the NBA champion Toronto Raptors and the Most Improved Player. Breakdancing has popped and locked a step closer to the Paris Olympics. The International Olympic Committee has decided to provisionally add four sports, including breakdancing, to the program of the 2024 Games. The other three, skateboarding, sport, climbing and surfing, will make their summer games debut in Tokyo next year. Breakdancing's medal debut was last October at the Buenos Aires Youth Olympic Games. World Dance Sport Federation CEO Jan-Lauren Burka says breakdancing has the potential to attract a young audience to the Olympics.
10: I would say that the success in the Youth Olympic Games in Buenos Aires was a clear demonstration of the fact that it's very attractive for youth. In terms of performance, we observed as well that many participants in Buenos Aires were last weekend in the World Championship in Nanjing, and the performance were at a very high level as well. Uh, One of the principles in the breaking community is each one teach one, meaning that... The one who have experience immediately transfer knowledge to the next generation.
3: The street dance competitions will have 16 athletes in each of the men's and women's medal events in Paris. A final decision on its formal inclusion will be made in December of next year. Meantime, two sports added by the Japanese for Tokyo 2020 Baseball and Karate have been dropped by the French in Paris. In tennis, world number 1 Novak Djokovic has started warming up for Wimbledon with a 6-2-6-4 victory over Christian Garin at the Bodo's exhibition event. The 31-year-old Serbian says he's ready to defend his title in London starting next week.
1: Very well. It's been uh, only four days that I've been training on grass and put a lot of work into... Into my tennis game last week as well on
0: hardcore back in my country and here in grass in the last three days and played a great match today against someone that I've never, never faced. Young player in in form and I I thought we we played a really good quality, good quality match. So I I look forward to having another match and that's why I'm
3: here. Hopefully I can continue that, that kind of rhythm for next week. Meantime, voter number 2 Rafael Nadal has been surprisingly seated behind voter number 3 Roger Federer at Wimbledon. This means that Nadal will be in the same half of the draw as Djokovic. Wimbledon's seeding is different from the other Grand Slams, as it's not necessarily affected by the world rankings, but rather how the individual players perform on grass-court surfaces. In other action, Andy Murray fell to its first defeat since starting his comeback in doubles in the first round of the Easterbourne International. Murray and his Brazilian partner Marcelo Melo went down 6-2, 6-4 to Colombian top seeds Robert Farah and Juan Spassian Cabal.
0: Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you. Search for China Plus in the App Store or Google Play. 51 minutes past the hour. It's time to turn our attention to what's happening in the world of entertainment. An exhibition of China's best television shows being put on display as part of the National Association of Television Program Executives International Conference. NAPTI, an international organization that hosts annual marketplace screening and conference events. Venue this year, Hotel on the Banks of the Danube River in Budapest, Hungary. The event, including a forum among production executives and content creators, focusing on the need to understand the balance between creating shows for regional versus global audiences. Now, among those attending is Hangzhou 9 Media, which is actively looking for buyers for its Chinese content. Uh, with over 470 different buyers, 65% of which are from Central and Eastern Europe, officials with Hangzhou 9 Media said that they're pretty confident they'll be able to find some buyers for their locally produced shows. Hangzhou 9 Media, one of China's most active in independent film and television production and distribution companies. Six-day China-Ireland International Film Festival. First of its kind, ever held in Ireland, is now underway. Chinese ambassador to Ireland Hu Xiangdong, Xiangdong rather, and former Irish Prime Minister Enda Kenny attending the festival's opening ceremony in downtown Dublin, addressing the ceremony, the Chinese ambassador Hu Xiangdong noting that this year marking the 40th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic ties between China and Ireland, suggesting that cultural and people-to-people exchanges remain important parts of the China-Ireland relationship. Uh, the festival itself featuring 22 different films, documentaries, cartoons, and shorts. Many of the Chinese films being produced by the Chungchun Film Studio, which is China's first and oldest film company. Handcrafted film posters from the Chungchun Film Studio also being exhibited at the local Confucius Institute in Dublin. Movie news. The 2001 Japanese animated film Spirited Away, dominating the Chinese box office 18 years after its official release. The film, raking in 218 million yuan during its first four days of screening, securing its best debut ever for a Japanese title in the Chinese market. Spirited Away, the story of a girl who wanders into mysterious spirit realm to rescue her parents and return them to the human world. Cheng Gong with the School of Arts and Communication at Beijing Normal University.
1: Actually, many viewers didn't watch this film in cinemas 18 years ago. For them, Spirited Away means more about the memory of you than adolescence. After they had more social experience and grew up, they felt something new about life that they hadn't felt before when they watched it again 18 years later.
0: Spirited Away, the highest grossing film in Japanese history, as well as the first hand drawn non English language animated film to win an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, which it earned in 2003. Ukraine born American actress Mila Jovovich, of course, best known for her character of Alice in the Resident Evil franchise, is set to appear on domestic screens here in China, joining forces with a team of Chinese, well, let's call them spies, rookies. The Rookies, the first time Jovovich is headlined a Chinese film due to hit Chinese theaters on July the 12th. We're an 18th century Freemasonry branch, an international independent special unit. Jovovich playing an elite spy who teams up with an unlikely group, including an extreme sports enthusiast, an amateur scientist, a bumbling cop, and an unemployed doctor. They all come together to try and take down a terrorist organization. The Rookies, directed by Alan Ewan, a man behind films including Monster Hunt and New Police Story. Ewan has actually been working on this new film since he wrapped up production on Monster Hunt back in 2015. Taiwan ethnic Puyuma singer-songwriter Hu De Fu, better known as Ara Kimbo, due to hold a concert entitled The Call of the Valley in Beijing's Tianqiao, performing arts center on August the 2nd. Concert to feature Arakimbo's best-known songs, including In a Flash and Wind from the Pacific Ocean. 70-year-old folk singer-songwriter being dubbed the father of Taiwan folk music, started his music career back in the 60s, releasing his debut album, Sky High Mountain Blues, at the age of 54, which became a top seller back in Taiwan back then. Uh, his music is said to be a combination of ethnic Puyuma music and American blues. British choreographer Matthew Bourne's all-male cast of Swan Lake set to make its debut in Beijing, with six performances to be staged at the Tianqiao Performing Arts Center from September 5th to the 8th. Oh, I love that song. 2014, the production became a hit in Shanghai, of course, staying on for 11 shows back then. Based on Tchaikovsky's musical masterpiece, the all-male production of Swan Lake, winning the Laurence Olivier, Tony, and Astaire Awards for Excellence in Dance on Broadway since it was created back in 1995. Now, before Beijing, the production will be staged in Shanghai from August the 15th through until the 22nd. Warren's two other productions, Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella, staged here in Beijing in 2016 and 2018, respectively. A quick check once again on the weather before we let you go here on the Beijing Hour. Another hot day expected here in the Chinese capital with mostly overcast conditions expected in Beijing and a high of 35 today. Recapping your top story, Chinese President Xi Jinping sitting down with his Ugandan counterpart in Beijing to talk bilateral ties ahead of his G20 trip to Japan. On behalf of the Beijing Hour staff, it's Paul James in Beijing, hoping you'll join us for our next edition of the Beijing Hour to open a window to the world together.